Culture Park. Pop a perky just to start up. Pop it. Pop it. Pop two cups of purple just to warm up. Two cups. Drink. I heard your bitch, she got that water. Splash. Drip. Drip. Woo. Splash. Hey. Slippery. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I would like to welcome you to episode 289 of the Unpopular Podcast. This is the man, the myth, the legend, Jalen Hunter. And if you would do me a favor, please subscribe to if you're listening. Please subscribe to if you're watching. It definitely means a lot to me. Coming into the season, there was a lot of high hopes for the Indianapolis Colts. As we sit here today... I think it's easy to say that the Indianapolis Colts are one of the most disappointing teams of the year. In part because there was so much anticipation. You know, they they got rid of Carson Wentz. They got Matt Ryan. You still have a lot of the pieces that you have. The defense still has some of the big names that, that, they've, that they've been had. Shaq, Shaq Lawson and uh, – or Shaq Barrett. Yeah, Shaq Lawson and, and, and DeForest Buckner. You thought that this, with Matt Ryan, this could be a very good team. So it's not, it's not out of left field when I say that. The Indianapolis Colts, in my opinion, at this point, are the mo- is the most disappointing team of the year. There have been a lot of disappointing teams, but I say the Colts because of a lot of the moves that they made this year. Or offseason, let's say that. Let me also start this by saying that I like Jeff Saturday. I work along well, I worked alongside Jeff Saturday. Well, let me say. I worked alongside Jeff Saturday for, you know, when he does NFL shows and stuff and he's a really cool dude, man. He's a really really cool dude. Very energetic, knows a lot about football. Of course, played football all of well, Super Bowl champion. He's a great dude. So I'm happy for him for getting an opportunity to be the head coach or be the interim head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. Um, because I know him personally, not saying like I can go to his house or I can call him up and say, what up, Jeff? But I've worked on a bunch of shows that he's been on and we've talked about the Colts and we've talked about, you know, the Washington and, and he's a good dude, man. But I would be, it wouldn't be right for me to not speak on how I feel about Jeff Saturday getting the interim head coach job for the Indianapolis Colts. So in turn, (laughs) to be authentic and to, to be honest, I'm going to give you how I feel. This is no disrespect to Jeff Saturday. This is no, uh. I still think he's a pretty cool dude, but my feeling is this. You always can tell. In fact, one thing that I kind of go by is actions speak a whole hell of a lot louder than words. And... There are there also are there's there's sometimes words justify or bring credence to action. And what do I mean by that? When the news when when the news came out that Jeff Saturday, who by the way has absolutely no head coaching uh head coaching experience outside of coaching high school football. Got the interim head coach job for the Indianapolis Colts. It set the it, it was, I guess, a stunning development for the sports world. It's like, wait, Jeff Saturday, where'd this come from? Not only was there viable coaches that were already on the Indianapolis Colts staff, but there's a lot of coaches that were good enough to do this job. But you gave to Jeff Saturday. And when I say that words sometimes justify or solidify actions or justify actions, 
Jim Ursay pretty much was he didn't say it verbatim. What he pretty much said in the introduction press conference was just my guy. And I'm glad that he doesn't have any coaching experience. Like, excuse me? It's not just a white and black thing. But I do think it is interesting. I, fi- I figured it out. When, 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 when Jim Ursay said pretty much Jeff Saturday is my guy, which is why he got the job, I got it. That is why. It's not because people hate black people that a lot of these African-American, Keith Armstrong, Leslie Frazier, Eric Bieniemy, Todd Bowles, well, Todd Bowles, Marquise Drayton. It's not because they, 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 They don't think that these people can get the job done. It's just like corporate America, bro. They're always going to hire their own. They're always going to hire their their buddies. They're always going to hire their people. The problem is we never get into position to be their people. There's there's no way in heaven or hell Jeff Saturday has great of a person he is should be the interim head coach for. The Indianapolis Colts. And you hear a lot of people say, but what about the Rooney Rule? Which I also think is kind of crazy that the Rooney Rule, (laughs) the Rooney Rule uh, doesn't pertain to interim head coach status, just full head coach. So I hear a lot of people say, but what about, remember when they, they trashed Steve Kerr? Remember when, you know, they didn't know what Steve Kerr was going to be? And now look. Okay. First and foremost, Steve Kerr was a GM before being a head coach. He also was a, what, six, seven-time NBA champion before being a head coach. Also, he coached Stephen Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green. That's That's what you're coaching. So, yeah, he's a little successful. Oh, he also had Kevin Durant for two two or three of those years. This Jeff Saturday hire was bad. And it was bad. And you know it was bad because you heard Jeff, if you if you watched the introduction press conference, Jeff said he has to win not only the the – Lot he has to win over his players and the coaches because it's like you're looking at a person. These coaches have been in the organization for a good minute. Oh, and this is also off the backs of Frank Wright getting fired. And that's something that we kind of saw coming. Like I said, it's it's been disappointing. You've had three, three has different quarterbacks in the last three years. And it hasn't worked. And, of course, we've always said with the Colts, well, they're just a quarterback away. Well, you had Carson Wentz, you had Matt Ryan, now you have Sam Ellinger, you had Phillip Rivers. On top of that, the Indianapolis Colts, the Jim Ursay spent the most amount of money in the offseason on the offensive line. And now if you look, the offensive line is one of the worst units in football. And that is even with Quentin Nelson, who a lot of people think is a first ballot Hall of Famer and the best offensive lineman in the league. But there were multiple coaches on this coaching staff that were good enough and probably felt they deserved to be that interim head coaching job so now you look up and you have Jeff Saturday who comes in is like what you're telling me that a guy just based off relationship 
is more qualified than somebody that's been in the trenches or, or look, been with the organization and and goes to practice every day and draws up schematic, draws up game plans. This is this owners are going to do what they want to do, bro. That's just what's going to happen. You can't expect someone that's spending billions upon billions on teams to conform to anything. Which is why I always said the Rooney Rule is the stupidest thing in the world. It's unfortunate that we have to have it, but it's the dumbest thing in the world because there's no way you're going to make owner, you're going to tell billionaires how to spend their money. There's no way you can tell anybody how to spend their money. The only people that can tell you how to spend your money and that's is the IRS. And that's like, yo, you're spending it to give it to me. Again, man, and, and I can't say this enough. I'm happy for Jeff Saturday. Uh, I hope he's successful. But with me being happy for him, because I kind of know him personally, I also understand that this is a slap in the face to all the black qualified NFL head uh, black coordinators. It's not just qualified coordinators, whether black or white. This is a slap in the face. This is a slap in the face to the players because you're pretty much telling the players we're punting on the season. Like, of course, you, you could kind of tell the players, but this is confirmation that we don't really care how the season goes. I would understand if you brought in Jeff Saturday to be the offensive line head coach. I get that. He was a he was offensive line for Peyton Manning in the Indianapolis Colts, one of the best offensive linemen ever. I get that, I understand that. His passion for for football is cool. He knows a lot about football, so I understand. But to make him the head, to to to, you know what this is like. You ever seen that person that, boom, the person that does the bare minimum. If anything, and then you look up and they're promoted like, wait, what the hell? And then you're over here just like busting your ass and you can't elevate at all. That's what this is like. This is a slap in the face to a lot of people, which is why a lot of people are stunned. And of course, you're going to hear well, we have to look at the Rooney rule. The Rooney rule is some BS, bro. Because again, there's no way in heaven and hell you can tell an you can tell an owner how to spend their a billionaire how to spend their money. And just like we saw with Jeff Saturday, which is always going to happen, it's just they're never going to say it. They're always going to hire their people, the people that they are more comfortable with, and it just so happened not to be black. All the time, you know, every year, right? No, Todd Bowles, it was Brian Leftwich. You know, every year we talk about Eric Bieniemy should be a head coach. Brian Leftwich should be a head coach. Yet and still, whether it's interim or not, whether they 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 extend him after the season or not, you pick someone up that has absolutely no college or NFL head coaching experience. And if for people that say, well, what about the high school experience? You think high school football is the same as NFL football? If that's the case, that's disrespectful to NFL players. It, what this move signifies, what this move tells tells people is that let's just speak on Jim Ursay and, and the Colts. Jim Ursay thinks that a person that has absolutely no head coaching experience is more qualified to do a job than someone like Eric Bieniemy, than someone like Brian Leftwich, than someone like uh, Maurice Dayton, someone like Brian Flores. What you're saying is a guy that has no experience is better suited to put your team in the right direction than someone that has 
an abundance of experience. You remember Brian Flores completely turned around the Miami Dolphins. Jeff Saturday is going to be the face of this situation because he's in it. But it's not just him. You remember they were trying to hire... um, What's the dude's name, bro? Josh McCown. I think the Texans were about to hire Josh McCown, who has absolutely no... I don't even think he has high school coaching experience. They were about to hire him for a head coaching job. But because I had so much backlash, it was like, ah, we can't do that. We can't do that. Jim Ursay just said, to hell, we can't do. I'm doing what I want to do. It makes absolutely no sense. It makes sense. It makes all the sense in the world because it happens all the time. Which is why you see more. You see more black coordinators than head coaches. And that's always, it doesn't matter what, what Rooney, anything that you impose. The thing, this same situation is always going to happen. Always going to happen. Jeff Saturday has absolutely no credentials in being a head coach. The only thing he has is Won a Super Bowl with Peyton Manning, a really good offensive lineman, really good friends with Jim Ursay, really close to the Colts organization. He had the nerve to say he came to a couple of training camps in two th- in the year 2000. I had to look it up real quick. I was like, wait, what year is this? Oh, 2022, so two years ago? I feel bad for the coaches that are already on that staff that feel, and rightfully so, should feel that they deserved to be at least the interim head coach. I feel bad for people like Eric Bieniemy because this just shows here that it don't give two. Sh- it doesn't. It doesn't matter what you do, bro. Eric Bieniemy is one of the best offensive coordinators, if not the best offensive coordinator in the game. And he's been that for a while. And he's always, we're going to bring in Eric Bieniemy for an interview. And never matriculates anything. People say, well, Jay, you killed Nathaniel Hackett and you killed, you know, Josh McDaniels to say that there's people that are just as good or no there's people that are are head coaches and there's people that are coordinators and how do we know that Eric Bieniemy and you know Brian Le- Brian Leftwich are not are 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 going to be good coaches and and my answer is simple bro the reason why we know people like Nathaniel Hackett and Josh McCown in my opinion not Josh McCown, Josh McDaniels are better coordinators and head coaches because we they have an opportunity to be a head coach. And we see, yeah, man, they're not getting the job done. Eric Bieniemy has not had that opportunity to be a head coach yet. So we may never know if he's good enough to be or if he's not good enough to be a head coach because he doesn't get the opportunity. Brian Leftwich doesn't get the opportunity. And you know what's the crazy part? People like Brian Flores, who had the opportunity and succeeded. David Culley had the opportunity, succeeded. Still getting him about it there. Yet and still, Jeff Saturday, who has absolutely no credentials. That's like me. <laughs> That's like me getting hired to be this the 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 supervisor for Dell. A supervisor for Microsoft. I don't know jack nothing about computers. 
But that's like me. Hey, I know that I know the C I know I know the boss, so just make me a supervisor. And that's even before that means that's that's my first job. That's like I'm not I'm not an intern, I'm not uh, uh, a sales associate, I'm nothing. I'm just Jalen one day, Microsoft supervisor the next. Don't you think people be looking at me a little sideways? Like, wait, how did he get the job? What is his credentials? And you look and I have absolutely nothing. Like, wait, you're telling me his last job was working at Taco Bell? Yeah. How the fuck? You know what I'm saying? There are people that don't get opportunity to prove they're, they're good head coaches or not. And there's people like Jeff Saturday who don't need credentials to get where they are. And that's the way of the land. I do. It's unfortunate that it happened to Jeff as far as, let me not happen. It's unfortunate that Jeff is the face of this because he's a pretty cool dude. I'm not going to lie to you. But he is the face of this. And as much as as cool of a duty is as an ESPN analyst or former ESPN analyst at this time, I do think that uh, this is just a microcosm of what it's like being a black coordinator in the NFL. They're always going to look at you as a coordinator, no matter how good you are. And they'll always look at you as until somebody goes out on a limb and gives you a shot, even though your your credentials say that you deserve and you're overqualified for a shot. Until somebody jumps off that ledge and gives you a shot. People like Jeff's people like Jeff Saturday will always be one step ahead not because they deserve it but because of who they know let's move forward so let's break down these games from week nine of the nfl season let's start with the chargers beating the falcons 20 to 17 that was this was actually a really good win for uh justin herbert because he had, like, Mike Evans was out, Keenan Allen was out, I think Austin Eckler uh, went out, but came back in, a whole bunch of players on the defensive side of the ball is out. This was just a gritty win, and this was a really good win for Justin Herbert and this Chargers team. It was needed, uh, you know, to get momentum for next week or this week, which is, of course, the Kansas City Chiefs. And, um, yeah, it was it was a really good win for the Chargers. And for the Falcons... The Falcons play hard, man. Even even in losses, they play hard. And and if it wasn't for a couple of mistakes, they would have won the game. And it was Justin Fields just playing, or no, Justin Herbert playing better than Marcus Mariota. And I'm not saying Marcus Mariota was bad, but you know that, that's what happened. So, shout out to the Chargers for beating the Falcons. The Dolphins beat the Bears 35. 35- to 32 you can look at this game in two completely different ways you can look at this let me say not, not let me not say that you can look at this game this game looks drastically different for both sides when i say both sides i mean the dolphins and the bears for the dolphins there are you have arguably the best offense in the league you have you have undoubtedly the fastest receiving core and Tyreek Hill has an opportunity to break 2,000 yards this year. Do you know how incredible that is? It's this. The question is, how how are they? They're right now six and three. And I know they did beat the, the, the Ravens and stuff. But how are they going to fare, you know, against really good talent? And against teams that where they're going in and they they really have no business in winning can they win those games 
that's that's how we're going to assess the 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 talent of the Dolphins. But you have to it, you'll be doing yourself a disservice if you don't put Tua in the MVP conversation. If you don't put Tyreek Hill in the MVP conversation, that's how good they've been. And I was one of those people that were questioning Tua's, you know, questioning Tua's D ball, questioning just Tua as a starting quarterback. And he has proven that he is good, and he has proven that he's proven me wrong. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie to you. So that that's on the Dolphin side, and the Bear side. This is probably the best win they've had, or best loss. I'm sorry that they've had in years. This the Bears looked great. Justin Fields had the best game he's ever had. I think he ran for like 172 yards as a quarterback. That this was his best game I think he's ever played. And they lost. And I'm not saying that to be like, well, see how good he is. No. This brings a lot, you know, Chase Claypool, he didn't really do much, but you know, he looked good and and, and the Bears the <laughs> This game kind of showed Justin Fields is that guy. It could be that guy moving forward. That's that's you know he looked good against the the Patriots a couple weeks ago, and he looked really good against the Dolphins. So this is one of those rare occasions where both teams leave happy. Both teams, even though the, the Bears did lose, both teams leave excited, knowing that for the Dolphins we we arguably have the best offense in the league, and we can go toe to toe with anybody because of. This offense, because of Tyreek Hill, because of Jalen Waddle, because of um, Tua, and on the Bears' side, even though they did lose, we this was it felt like this was Justin Fields' coming out party. Like, yo, Justin Fields is here, and and this we have the quarterback of the future. So, shouts out to the Dolphins. The Bengals beat the destroyed the Panthers forty two. It's 21. Now, I know it, it, it's only it, – it's it's a 21, win, 21 point win, but it, it wasn't that close. Joe Mixon uh, had five touchdowns, <laughs> which was a franchise record. This Bengals team, this is the team, even without Jamar Chase, which, again, I will – there's only one game, and it's, it's, it's the Panthers. But this team, if, if, if Joe Mixon is running like this – this team can beat anybody, and this team will find can can and probably will find themselves in contention for Super Bowl if they can they are able to run the ball like this. I'm not saying that Joe Mixon needs to get five touchdowns every game, but when you can take some of the pressure off the passing game, which is what we'll talk about in a little bit when we talk about the Bills, when you can take some of the pressure off the passing game, especially with Jamar Chase being out. This this and the offensive line was really good. I mean, if you're scoring five touchdowns, offensive line got to be good. It, the sky's the limit for this Bengals team, and the Panthers suck. <laughs> and I'm not saying that to like lessen the Panthers. I mean the the Bengals win. I'm just saying. I think they they benched PJ Walker to bring in Baker Mayfield. He he scored two touchdowns. Okay. The Lions beat the Packers 15-9. This was, I think this was the worst I've ever seen Aaron Rodgers look. This is probably one of those, this might be the only, yeah, might be the only loss this season that I can put most of the blame, in my opinion, on Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers looked horrible. The Packers, the, the I talked about I, I talked about how the Packers didn't really do anything in the and actually no really they didn't do anything in the trade deadline. And 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 when I when I was when I said it or after I said it I really thought what could they possibly have done except of course get a wide receiver which would have been good but. This the problems go a lot deeper than the wide receiver core. Rashad Gary looks like he's out for the season. Oh, I think with a torn ACL. The offensive line has not been good. The defense has underachieved like hell. 
I'm really starting to lean on the not good head coach side as we talk about Matt LaFleur. But Sunday's loss was mostly on Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, one of the first times it looked like he didn't see the field well. He had three three interceptions. Two of them, I believe, were in the red zone. He looked he looked horrible. He looked so bad. People are now are now asking, should they bench Aaron Rodgers for Jordan Love? Who nobody thinks Jordan Love is ready. I think the season is over for the Packers. When I say season over, I mean I don't think that they are going to make the playoffs. It does. In order to make the playoffs, they'll have to go on a mean run. And there is a abs- there's absolutely nothing that I've seen this entire season to make me think that the Packers are going to go on a mean a, a, a run. Nothing. They've lost what five straight, four straight. Aaron, the receivers were still dropping pass. Uh, it looks like uh, Aaron Jones might miss a couple, couple, some, some time because of ankle or knee. I think ankle. This, this all. I will say this: a lot of this is Aaron Rodgers' fault. I'm not gonna. I, I like Aaron Rodgers as a talent. A lot of this is Aaron Rodgers' fault. The whole, you know, I'm going to retire, I don't know, that does draw people away, i.e. Devontae Adams. The fact of you have an entirely new outside of Aaron Lazard and Randall Cobb, you have a whole new wide receiver room, you would think that you want to get some reps with them in the offseason. You didn't do that. It's just been bad. It's been bad. And... Honestly, even if you look at their record, they are tied with the Bears. And they're one game ahead of the Lions. The Lions aren't that much. I think the Lions are better than the, even though they did. Yeah, the Lions are better than the Packers. Packers are kind of like the Lakers right now, like bad team. Yeah, man. The Jaguars beat the Raiders 27 to 20. I said this when I did my when I did my spiel about Jeff Saturday. I don't think Josh McDaniels is a good head coach. You can't tell me that it's kind of like with Nathaniel Hackett in the in the Broncos. You can't tell me that you look dra- you get better pieces and you look drastically different for the worst. Ain't no way, bro. Now shouts out to Doug, you know, Doug Peterson. Shouts out to 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 Trevor Lawrence and and that and that squad. But you're telling me that you get arguably the best wide receiver in the game. Top three, top five, depending on who you talk to, tight ends in the league. A, gr- a really good running back in Josh Jacobs. You still have Hunter Renfro, who's a really good gadget guy. And a really good number two for our, our receiver. And you're w- drastically worse. So bad that they released uh, Jonathan Abrams, who was like a really top, uh, I think 2019, was like a top pick for them. They released him. They released most of their top. I mean, look at the look at the look at the Raiders draft. Alex Alex Leatherwood gone, cut. We know about Henry Ruggs, Jonathan Abrams. I like Jonathan Abrams a little bit, but he has been not that good this year. Yeah, man. Uh, the Patriots beat the Colts twenty six to three. This this was the biggest reason why. Um, I think Frank Wright was already going to be fired at the end of the season. Uh, but losing to the Patriots as they did. Did you know that the Colts, who don't have the worst record in the league, but the Colts have the worst offense in the league? And did you know that the Colts spent the most money this offseason than any team on the offensive line, yet and still the offensive line is ranked worst in the league with Quentin Nelson? <laughs> 
That oh damn, that is why Frank Ride is out of here. Ain't nobody going to spend money on anything and allow you to mess it up. Ain't no way. Ain't no way. I do think that's one of the biggest reasons why Jeff Saturday was hired is to try to get this offensive line uh, back together. However, you can hire him as an offensive line coach more than an interim head coach. But, you know, we already talked about it. But, yeah, the Colts lost <laughs> again. Uh, the Jets shocked the world and beat the Bills 20-17. to Um this was a Sauce Gardner did a really good job on on Stephon Diggs, even though Stephon Diggs did get his Sauce Gardner did what he was supposed to do. The defense looked really good for the Jets and Zach Wilson. <laughs> it's always a funny a, a funny thing when when um Ryan Ryan Clark said on ESPN uh, when we talk about Zach Wilson, you have to be like the five temptation. Ain't nobody come to see you, Otis. Nobody. You don't need to be the star of the show if you're Zach Wilson. You just need to keep it afloat. The defense is really good. Uh, James Robinson looked really good. Uh, you just you just don't need. You just need to be mature in the moment. You don't need to do too much, and he didn't. Now, they are saying that uh, Josh Allen. Hurt his as you UCL or something, uh, and and you know, f- upon further tests, seeing if he can go and seeing what he can do, I will say this, and I and I agree to an extent with Mike Tannenbaum said yesterday. You this is not a. I understand that this team is super is in Super Bowl contention, and I understand that this. A lot of people, including myself, picked him to win the Super Bowl. So you want to go for it, especially when you have have never won a Super Bowl. But Josh Allen is not a two-year quarterback. He is a 10-year quarterback. And while I'm not saying, if if there's any, I will say this. If there is any chance that whatever his injury can get worse if he keeps playing, I do not play him. And to, I do not play him. I understand that that probably means you're punting on the season. And, and no, probably. You're punting on the season, but this team is still going to be good. You're still going to have Stephon Diggs. You're still going to have that defense. I, you're not, I understand it's a tough proposition, especially someone that's never really seen the highest of the highs, but you're not doing it for this season. You're doing it for – Josh Allen is a franchise quarterback. You need to protect your franchise. Now, they they are saying that it could he could be able to play. It's just a pain tolerance thing. Look, look, look. The last thing you want is to play and then get drastically worse and you don't want a Super Bowl. Then it's like, what are we doing it for? What did you do it for? Or you play and then it just completely disintegrates. Um, his arm or U UCL just completely disintegrates when you get to the playoffs, and then it was like, "What's that for?" Now a long ass rehab time. Nah, Mm-mm. you got to protect your assets, protect them. So we'll see how it goes. Um, the Vikings beat the Commanders twenty to seventeen. The Commanders should have won that game, bro. It was a really tough uh, pick six that was called back for for the Commanders or for Washington. I hate saying the Commanders for Washington. Curtis Samuel had one probably, arguably, catch of the year. Taylor Heineke looked good until he didn't. The Washington Commanders looked good until they didn't. And the Vikings won. Kirk Cousins took his shirt off on the on the team plane. Mm. Washington is currently one game below 500. So, there's that. 
The Seahawks beat the Cardinals 31 to 21. I told you I thought the Seahawks were going to win this game, and they did. Geno Smith, in my opinion, is in the MVP conversation because he continues to look good, and he can he looks like one of the best quarterbacks in the league this year. I'm just I'm just going to be honest with you. This Seahawks team looks so good, man. It it really does. And if it wasn't for Brian Dable, I would have um Pete Carroll as my coach of the year. And honestly, I think it's a really neck and neck race. Uh that's how good they've both been. So in the Cardinals, yo, Cliff Kingsbury is getting fired in this year. There's no way that you can and I'm not just saying this. It could be Cliff Kingsbury's fault, but you can't pay Kyler Murray all that money that you paid him this offseason, and he regresses as bad as he's regressing. Kyler Murray, who was in the MVP talks last year, who there was a good there was a good season, a good part of the season where a lot of people, including myself, thought that they were Super Bowl bound, and now they are three and six. Nah, it's over with for Cliff. Uh, the the Buccaneers beat the Rams sixteen to three or sixteen to thirteen. You can tell the Buccaneers needed this win. I mean, you heard Tom Brady say it; it felt good. I'm not saying that this is a turnaround win because I watched the game and they didn't look good. I'm be real with you; it, they were good for like probably forty seconds, maybe maybe two minutes. But outside of that, they the 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 Buccaneers didn't look good. The problem is neither did the Rams. The Rams are not going to make the playoffs, bro. The Rams will not. The Rams probably won't make the playoffs. That is crazy to think. A team that won the Super Bowl a year ago possibly will not make the playoffs, and I I think I'm leaning more towards won't make it. That is a failure to launch, my friend. And people keep saying. Um, people keep saying, you know, you know, I'm, I have mixed emotion when people say you should bring Odell Beckham Jr. back, not because Odell Jr. is great. He's good. Even when healthy, Odell, Odell, Odell Beckham Jr., OBJ is, is still a top tier quarter or wide receiver. My thing is. It's not just that. The offensive line has been terrible. There has been no running game at all for the Rams. The defense has, hasn't been good. And this is the same defense that has Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald. Matthew Stafford still be throwing the ball to the other team a lot. I don't like it. I have mixed emotions because I do think that they would any team that has Odell Beckham Jr. would be good. And I, I hear, you know, Cowboys are in the ring for him. The Bills, Green Bay. I think the Ravens should try to get him. But I also think that if they get Odell Beckham Jr. and they don't succeed, they're going to blame Odell Beckham Jr. Like, you see, we brought you here to do this and you didn't. I'm like, all right, man. All right. So, uh, The Chiefs beat the Titans 20-17. Uh, to 17. I will say this. Uh, they asked that man, Patrick Mahomes, to throw the ball like 68 times. That means they, they kind of abandoned the running game in that in that, in that that game. It was a good game. Uh, Malik Willis looked good. He just, you, he's not, he's looked as good as he can look. Not saying he looked bad, but he wasn't good enough to win the game. I do think if Ryan Tannehill was the quarterback, they possibly would have won that game. Defensively, you know, the Chiefs looked like the defensive old. They just weren't really doing too well. Derrick Henry was running all up and down them. Um, but it was Patrick Mahomes. He was the, the he was the decisive, the, the de facto chain game changer. He's the reason why they won. It was really good. Uh and 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 then shots out to Malik Willis. He looked good too. Again, it didn't he didn't when you're going against Patrick Mahomes, it was arguably I will say this. Watching the season and, and and really looking at the totality of what we've seen from Patrick Mahomes, I won't be surprised if we look up in a couple of years and say, I don't know if we'll say he's the greatest quarterback because of, you know, the win. I don't think he's going to win as much as Tom Brady. But 
I think there will be arguments saying that he's the most talented quarterback we've ever had. I think right now people still can kind of put that in the Aaron Rodgers class of what we, you know, the, the heights and the height, the heights of heights that we've seen from Aaron Rodgers. But Patrick Mahomes is is that dude, bro. Yeah. And Monday Night Football, the Ravens beat the Saints 27 to 13. This Ravens team is good. This Ravens team is the team that I thought could compete for a championship and will compete for a championship if you continue to play like this. Roquan Smith looked good and he made an immediate impact. Uh I trash Greg Roman a lot because I just feel like his offense hasn't um it hasn't upgraded since, you know, having Cam Newton back in 2015, but the offense looks good, man. And and I and I will give shout out to Greg Roman for that. Offense looked good. The offense is humming. Lamar Jackson missed two passes that would have been touchdowns. Almost damn near three that would have been touchdowns. Lamar Jackson has a stronger arm than a lot of people think. If he just takes some of the power off, like some of the torque off that throw, those two would have been touchdowns. And that would that score would have been ugly. Andy Dalton looked horrible again. Which I don't understand why Andy Dalton, even if like now, if Jameis Winston not healthy. Still, I understand. But I don't understand why Andy Dalton is still the head or the the starting quarterback of this team. I don't get it. But this Ravens team is good. This Ravens team, it, it, the Ravens team of old, just run the ball. Look, Kenyon Drake looked really good. <sighs> Lamar Jackson looked good. Man, this this Ravens team. I think he threw the ball like twenty two times. Had like a hundred and thirty yards or two thirty something like that. <sighs> This Ravens team is good, bro. It's good. So that's my breakdown. Let me know what you saw. Let me know if there's, you know, we'll talk about it. So let's move forward. This was a crazy week for college football. Um, Alabama lost to LSU. So Alabama's season is over. We'll talk about it in a second. Uh Tennessee was ranked number one. They lost to Georgia, who was ranked three, I believe. They were in Georgia, but they lost to Georgia. Mike, the, the question that I, I've been asked is, who do you think should be the top four teams? Clemson got destroyed by Notre Dame. I don't think there should be. I think that, you know, Tennessee should probably be in there. Tennessee, when you – it's hard <laughs> playing – in Georgia, Stetson Bennett has been good. I'll be real with you. Stetson Bennett has been really good. This defense has been really, the Georgia defense has been good. The question, the question, I, you know, Tennessee probably gonna be up there. I get it. Um, Georgia definitely gonna be there. Yeah, uh, maybe Michigan. Michigan continues to look good. No, Ohio State will definitely be there. I do think that. I'll say this. Um. The Ohio State-Michigan game is going to be big. It's going to be big because I think both of them are going to go, going, going to go into – both of them are going to meet each other undefeated, and we'll see how it goes. I'll say if Michigan wins that game, I think whoever wins the game – if it's close, I'll say this. If it's close, come the end of the season, both teams, Michigan and Ohio State, have a good shot of winning the – or not winning, uh, making it to the college football playoffs. Michigan has been looked really good this year. Ohio State has just been destroying people. Now, is I'm not gonna say is that the 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 talent discrepancy with teams. No, CJ Stroud looks really good. Ohio State probably has the best wide receiver core in in the game or in in college football. Um, the questions are really between, in my opinion, Alabama. No, they they're too. Do you understand how bad the committee would look if Alabama is the first two two loss team to make it to the the college football playoffs? It's not going to look good, my guy. It's not going to look good at all. I mean, they already talk about an SEC bias, 
It's not going to look good. And I don't care if Clemson wins the ACC. They should not be in the college football playoffs. They have not looked good at all. DJU has looked terrible. The offense has looked terrible. It's really been DJU. He hasn't been good. He hasn't took that step. But the question is between TCU and, and Oregon. Now, people know I'm an Oregon fan, probably because of the jerseys. But... <laughs> I think Oregon has a really good shot. If they if they win out, they their resume is really good. If they win out, uh, win the Pac-12 because they probably have to see uh, USC. That's that that'll be the big one because uh, they did beat UCLA. Uh, people are looking at that first loss to or went to Georgia, which they got smacked. Uh, but they've looked good ever since, and they've looked like one of the best teams in the nation since then. TCU is undefeated. They look good. Here's my only beef with TCU. You look at their stats. They have an incredible offense. Like, their offense is humming. They have the stats offensively. However, if you look at all their games, they're damn near trailing in every game, which means forget the run. We're passing it. We're letting it fly. Now, they do win every game. They do come back and win. Shouts out to them. But I don't know, man. It's just it's just weird, bro. It's I'll say this. My top – when, right now, I'll say Georgia one, uh, Ohio State two, Michigan three, uh, Tennessee four, then I, five and six, uh, TCU and Oregon. And the only reason why I have TCU over Oregon because I think. Oregon has a better resume outside of the one loss, and that's the only reason why I have TCU above Oregon is because they're undefeated. Uh, but I think Oregon has beaten better teams, i.e. UCLA, than TCU. But, yeah, so Georgia, Ohio State, Tennessee, Michigan, and five and six would be TCU. I will say this. If TCU wins out, um, I think the loser of the Michigan and Ohio State game. Mm, no, nah, I don't think. Well, yeah, I think the loser of the Michigan-Ohio State game could be out. I also think Tennessee, if they, if they win, they're going to have to play Alabama or Georgia again in the SEC championship. That's going to be. That's going to be – actually, I think it's going to be Georgia. They're going to have to play Georgia again. Now, if they lose again to Georgia, then Tennessee's out of there, put TCU there. We'll see. Moving forward. Uh, college basketball is back. I'm not going to spend too much time on this. <laughs> I got my North Carolina winning it. This kind of this is starting to real. This is starting to feel like 2019 when, you know – North Carolina brought back a lot of brought back most of their team and tried to run it back after losing in 2018 to the losing 2018. Let's just say that. Um, or was it 2016? 2016. 2016 team. Um, you bring back Amano Baycock. You bring back Caleb Love. Bring back the only team. The only person you really don't bring back is uh, Brady Manick which is a huge loss, but you still have him on a Baycock, who I think is going to win ACC Player of the Year and has a really good shot of winning the National Player of the Year if he continues to play or if he elevates his game like last year. This The only biggest the biggest reason why I have North Carolina winning is because of just the, the, the senior, the, the seniority of the team. Mo, you know, most of these, a lot of these, but Caleb Love, a lot of people had him leaving, or at least – to the draft or or somewhere, a lot of people had a mono Baycock leaving. Like, yeah, no, nah, RJ, RJ, yeah, no, nah, I, I have North Carolina in in the women's side. It's uh, I will say it's a lot closer between South Carolina and Stanford, even though I know it's one and two. I have South Carolina because of Don Staley and because of Aaliyah Boston, uh, but Stanford looks good too. Uh, they they also have they, Haley; she's still there. Um, so those, those are my predictions. I, I will talk about, of course, more towards the, you know, as the season rolls along, but 
my prediction is North Carolina, and I'm, there's also a little bit of bias in it, but North Carolina, there's a reason why they're ranked number one. Now, the thing that does, that does kind of uh, cause for concern is outside of, you know, RJ and, and Caleb Love and Baycock, where they're going to get the offense from. But again, this is a uh, leaky black still there. This is a, a senior laden team. So I do, I do like that. And this is a team that was up 16 points in the national championship. They li- they did lose to, to, to Kansas, but they're up 16 points. Which means that they belong. They belong there. I, I have North Carolina win that, and South Carolina winning the women's national championship. So, let's see how it goes. Um, <laughs> Utah is having a terrible year. <laughs> Utah is having the worst year possible, and it's crazy because they're number one. They're 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 unsuccessfully failing. <laughs> like that's crazy. They have been. They're the number one team in the West. This is a team that traded both of their, both of their top players in Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. They they were so bad they even wanted to change the jersey to that monstrosity right there. But I guess they did, they didn't understand that you still got Jordan Clarkson still a, a, a former Six Man of the Year. He's still good. Lloyd marketing going crazy, and Utah is shooting the ball. Utah, I think they're the best shooting three-pointing team in the league or best three-point shooting team in the league. They're, they're tough. This is the worst-case scenario for Utah if they're trying. It's the worst-case scenario, in my opinion, because at this point, now things can drastically go wrong or can drastically change throughout the season, but – if you're trying to get Victor, you're already you're already winning way too much for that. So that's you gotta chill out on that. But think about it. Even and, and they're good, but who do you like, do you think this team's going to championship? No. So this is the worst case scenario for Utah. I'm trying to tell you. It's I'm not for people tanking, but that's what they want to do. And that's what they're trying to do. And they're doing it horribly. It's kind of like when um a couple years ago, boom, when the Jaguars, it was the Jaguars and, and another team. I forgot who the other team was. And the other team won. Like, they couldn't tank right. Like, they couldn't tank right. And the Jaguars ended up getting Trevor Lawrence. Like, they couldn't tank right. This is the same thing with Utah. Utah is a number one team in the West. Utah. Yeah, man. Um, uh, let's move forward. Um, I talked a lot about Kyrie and you know being suspended and what he what he did to be suspended in this that, and the third. I've talked a lot about Kyrie, so I'm not going to talk about. I, and I said last time I'm not going to talk about this long. I spent like nine minutes on it. I'm not going to do that. This is going to be very quick. So the list of demands came out about what Kyrie needs to do before he rejoins the team. That I'm not with. First and foremost, if you give us a, a player a list of demands, cool. You don't leak it to the media. You don't leak it to the press. What the hell are you doing, bro? Like, keep it all in-house. This is just yet another. And I like Josiah. Josiah is is widely known as a, a really good GM uh, or good owner. It is just yet another example of why this Nets thing is a mess. Um, but I don't like. Yes, I understand people could could criticize the fact that, that Kyrie Irving only apologized after his his pockets got hit, but he apologized. So I just feel like they're making it. They're trying to make it. It feels like they're trying to take, like take, take his dignity from him at this point. And I don't, I don't, I don't like that, man. I, I think if you acknowledge what you did wrong, which he did, and and he apologized for it, not saying that you still don't give him five game suspension, but all this whole reference, like all this stuff he has to do, nah, bro. I don't like that at this point now. Now you're trying to, it feels like you're trying to, 
like I said, take 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 something from him, like like take his dignity or or embarrass him or something. I don't appreciate that. That's you could you could. I don't agree with Kyrie. I don't agree with what he promoted. I don't agree with that in the slightest. As far as the anti you know Semitic messaging that was in the documentary, I do not agree with that. But if you apologize. Let him do the five game suspension and keep it moving. You don't at, at this point now. You're trying to embarrass him. You're trying to 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 play with his di- like. Don't do that, bro. That's I don't, I don't rock with that, man. I do not rock with that. This is to me. This has been blown out of proportion. Not saying that people who are offended don't feel offended. Shouldn't feel offended, but Kyrie doesn't deserve this. And. I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't play again this year. I wouldn't be surprised if we do if if he doesn't play again for the Nets. Cause this is crazy, bro. A list of demands. Nah, B. You're trying. They're trying. It feels like you're trying to embarrass this guy at this point, or you're trying to take his dignity from him, or or like, yeah, he's gonna. This is this is what he's gonna surrender to this. No, bro. Mm-mm, I don't like that. Oh, and lastly, before we go, um, shouts out to the Houston Astros for winning the World Series. This happened a couple days ago, which is why it's kind of at the end. But shouts out to the Houston Astros. A lot of people, you know, we remember the whole cheating scandal. Well, they 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 reloaded and won. Shouts out to Dusty Baker, uh, African American. One, he's like I think one of the oldest managers or yeah managers to win. I know he's with the Dodgers. I believe he was with the um, Giants as well. But shouts out to him for finally winning. Everyone, he's a baseball guy. He's been in baseball forever, and he's black. So shouts out to you, bro. Uh, Jeremy is it Jeremy Pinay? Uh, he won the the World Series MVP. He was shouts out to y'all, man. They already had their they already had their um parade so i don't need to harp on it but shout out they uh, the houston astros were the was the best team in baseball at you know in march and and oh i'm sorry november and they did what they had to do october october was the best team in the playoffs they were they were they were great they were loaded they were they were stacked in and they won so shout out to them man and there you have it that has been today's episode in the unpopular podcast i appreciate you guys uh, if you want a popular podcast, shirt, hoodie, sweater, long sleeve, joggers, the link is in the description below. I have multiple different colors, multiple different designs. Get your unpopular podcast merch today. Also, please subscribe to it if you're listening. Please subscribe to it if you're watching. It definitely means a lot to me. And until next time, much love. But you don't feel me You always bring me down But you rarely do ever heal me I'm tired of you selling me gas And it ain't smoking I'm tired of all your lies False hopes, promises broken I'm tired of what you telling the youth It's not the truth Look cousin in prison now Just because he listen to you Tired of like the noose Tired, no time for you Tired of your excuse Tired that you can snooze I'm tired of all my habits Try to shake them all away I just take it with a grain And let the music ease my pain I'm tired
me, huh? Got demons screaming in my background for me, huh? In my background. Yo, yo, please watch your feet, I need to sweep, huh? Shorty a mess left me to pieces and said peace If I keep it under wraps, know that I ain't above critique But be aware that every struggle is unique uh, I see I see uh, Like any crazy how I made it out the grave without no stains It's crazy uh, Like being brave is when you still can show yourself when you afraid uh, Whoa if I keep drilling, being real, then I won't leak out all my pain. That's crazy. Uh, Cause now I need to get refilled, cause now emotionally I'm drained. Change, but that's only half.